Yo, it's your boy, buddy. You. I'm Draymond Green. Hey, y'all, this is John Cloud John. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged in. Logged on. You're logged on to the 10th year seniors. The 10th year seniors.com. 10th year seniors.com. You log in with 10th year Welcome to the 10th year seniors podcast network. This is long range two pointers. Tage, do not say how we are back. I promise that every time we take this long break, we got to stop saying we back. Don't say it. You think if you think Mike Bloomberg will give us money since he's giving everybody money? Um, here's what we got to do. We have to find a way to help the Mike Bloomberg campaign. What we can do is we could jump in this uh, billionaire beef he got going on with Trump on Twitter. No. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want that smoke either. Not getting in that. <laughs> I don't know if I want that smoke either, but I will say this. It's more entertaining to watch than all the stupid rapper beefs we always see on Twitter. This is like, this is like white people. This is white people hip hop beefs. I mean... Like, being, like, idle, rich, old, white millionaires is, like, the white people version of being a rapper, basically. Yo, did you see where, and I promise this is going to be a basketball podcast eventually, but did you see where Bloomberg was being interviewed and somebody said, you know, do you think people want to see an uh, argument between two billionaires on Twitter? And Bloomberg was like, who's the second one? <laughs> I was like flex. I mean, look, I, I worked at basically, I worked at basically a country club for two years, and uh, billionaire beefs get, uh, they get spicy. Um, I mean, one of them is a billionaire. Yo, anyway, all, all I'm gonna say, uh, another billionaire beef I don't want to touch, but look at what happens I mean, behind the gates. Bloomberg 2020, uh, Mike cut the check. You've been reaching out to a lot of podcasts. We want to get down. We want that check. So cut the check, Mike Bloomberg. I don't mess with you at all, but I would for a price. Um, yeah, we have been saying for, what, five years now that we are not above selling out. Oh, no. Like, I, no, I, I... I mean, Spotify just bought The Ringer for millions of dollars. Bill Simmons is good forever. I would love to be that. No, I, I, I have no morals or scruples, and I really... I, I mean, working is cool. It pays the bills, but I'd rather not. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I feel like we got to get to the NBA now. Let's go. All right, so there is so much that we miss. It's impossible for us to really dissect and get into everything. But as a Bahamian-centric podcast, it is our duty to start with our people. And for us, the biggest story of All-Star Weekend, hashtag Bench Yamaha continues. Buddy Heald winning the three-point contest. That moment, okay, so let me tell my story about where, because for me, I feel like this should always be one of those where were you when you heard moments for Bahamians, right? Especially if you follow sports or if you're a hooper. I was actually commentating the GSSA Senior Boys Basketball Championship game, so I couldn't check in my phone. But I told the producers, you know what, I don't care, I'm checking my phone. And then they announced it in the gym and everybody started cheering. And that was just a great moment. It's like all those kids forgot that they came here to watch their game. And everybody was like, shit, buddy won the three-point contest. That's amazing. Speaking of sellouts, I, I, I was at Island House. Nice. I went to watch Bombshell because I told my wife, because we always watch whatever war movies I want to watch. So, I, all right, I'll watch Bombshell. Um... Is Kara upset that you made her watch 1917? Because I know you did. I we were going to, but then we thought the movie was uh, we thought the movie was at uh, was at eight, but it was really at six, so we didn't go. I know, but we I was a hundred percent gonna watch 1917, and she was gonna go too. So I, I was like, let's watch Bombshell. So we're watching Bombshell. I go to use the bathroom, 
and my homie from Rhode Island, who I haven't spoken to in like 10 years, uh, shout out to Block Island, uh, Instagram messaged me and was like, uh, Buddy Heel did it, huh? I'm like, what? And right before I go into Bombshell, me trying to be hot take machine, trying to be a troll, it was like, I saw Duncan that. Robinson <laughs> I saw is going to win. No, I, I didn't believe that Duncan Robinson was going to win. I don't know who's going to win. That's the thing about three-point contests. Like, you don't know who's going to win. And I, like, loud and proud and wrong. And I knew it was a good chance I would, I would be wrong. And I say, Duncan Robinson is going to win the three-point contest. Bet that. Just because people really didn't know what the hell he was. And yeah. I, I go to use the well, bathroom. Well, those kind of guys win the three-point contest. That's... I'm, and plus, like, by advanced metrics, he's the best three-point shooter in the NBA. But it's just somebody nobody heard of. And I just I just really wanted to get that off. I didn't believe that at all. I had no conviction behind that. And my guy messaged me when I go to pee in the middle of bombshell. And it's like, yeah, buddy healed. And I'm like, oh, oh dang. Yo, my phone was blowing up. And my immediate regret was, shit, why didn't I put money on that? Because I was thinking that I was going to bet on it before, but I just didn't follow through with it and do it because I was just so well, busy with a bunch of other stuff at that time. Entertainment purposes only. Oh, the thing about the three-point contest is you don't know who's going to win. Like You never know. like Because everybody could shoot so good. And you just you catch you catch fire, you go off at the right time, and you win. Like it, it doesn't matter. Any one of those guys could win. And I always thought the the type of shooter Buddy is, and if you heard his ridiculous gym rat stories, if you heard about his shooting workouts during the draft, you knew that he was built for this contest. And I felt like he could have won it last year, but he ended up just having a, a bad final round. So I always thought, given the opportunity, Buddy could absolutely win this thing because he's one of the streakiest shooters there is in the league. And if he gets hot. You can see what happens. What made this one so great was the way that he won it. Winning it on the last shot. Like bringing some kind of drama to it. And I don't know if it's for me just because I can never dunk and all I was was a shooter. But the three-point contest always appealed more to me than the dunk contest. So it's great for me to have a Bahamian win it. I think that's just you, buddy. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I like no, the dunks. I, I'm here for the dunks. I was a dunker. I, listen, <laughs> I am completely aware of the limitations of my athleticism and why it skewed me toward a certain type of player. But if you look at it, we got Buddy. We pretty much got Clay. Irrespective of what you see Eric? in game in high school basketball, we got Eric Gordon. Bahamas got some shooters. It's weird, too, because we, I mean, as someone who routinely coaches behind kids uh you do not see you don't see you, people uh just gotta, pulling up with confidence from the mid-range these guys can't really shoot no <laughs> no you can't and i'm sure like not just in your role as coaching but you also got to scout which means you got to see a lot of high school basketball yeah no it, it's not happening like that the, the freeboard kids they're a little better at it than the nassau kids and different different brand of basketball completely when you watch them play but the basketball i watch is there's not a lot of space to floor not a lot of not a a lot, a lot of driving kicks. Now, for some people or casual observers or even people deeply embedded into the NBA, they may look at it as, eh, you know, it's 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 just an all-star contest. The all-star weekend is really about NBA camaraderie. It's not that big of a deal. But to us, it felt like a huge deal because this is our guy. Anytime a Bahamian does something on the world stage and everybody has to stop and watch us and acknowledge us, it's a big deal for us. Where do you place this moment in historical context? Man, it, it has to be one of the most important sports moments for the Bahamas in a while. I mean, I could see if Buddy Heel was on, on a big-name team, if he's on the Lakers or on the Knicks or someone on the East Coast 
where his moments were getting played out or he had a shot at a championship every year. But this is not what this is. And he's with the Kings. He's with the Kings. And uh, so it's up there, just the visibility of it and what it means to him, especially given the fact that he's been in the news with the Kings um, on more contentious terms. For many reasons that we're going to get into. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that. And uh, this is one of the few actual, like, this might be the only good headline that the Kings have had since Stojakovic played there. Definitely this season, it's been their only moment of redemption that they've had. Because, like I said, we're going to talk about it. But it's been disappointing based on what you thought they would achieve coming into this year. But for me, I think people are so endeared to Buddy because anytime he has the opportunity to use his platform... The first thing he does is talk about God, and the second thing he does is always mention the Bahamas. And then immediately after he won the three-point contest, he dedicated it to everybody that suffered through Dorian. So he basically hit a... He's like a wrestler hitting the cheap pop for everything people wanted to hear in the arena. I think talking about God first and then the Bahamas second is more Bahamian than if he just mentioned the Bahamas twice. It's the most Bahamian thing you can possibly do. It really is. And the fact that the fact that his accent is so strong and it's impossible for it to go anywhere. Like as simple as that may seem, that actually helps in building up the the kind of capital that he has with the casual Bahamian basketball fan and yes, we may have players that come along and become better than him. DeAndre Ayton may very well and really, he should have a better career at the end of the day when we look at all this. But in terms of people endearing themselves to one icon of the sport, I don't know if we'll see Buddy again. Yeah, I was talking to Carr about it. And I think the thing about Buddy is, and what separates him from Aiton, not saying that Aiton, this is bad about Aiton, but Aiton, everybody knew he was going to be your number one overall pick since he was 14. Yeah. And so he was handled accordingly. But he, he was a pretty high recruit, but nobody, nobody, we, we didn't think he was going to be NBA player until after his third year in college. So he had to go to school, he had to do his schoolwork, he had to interact with people, and he had to develop a personality. Not saying Aiden doesn't have a personality. But the different path kind of creates that personality. Yeah, but Aiden was on a superstar track, so he developed a superstar personality. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty... It's it's that simple. When you think think about it from this perspective, right? Aiton left here when he was like twelve. Yeah, yeah. But Buddy was here was for 12. a long time, like legit played in Hugh Campbell and stuff like that. So you get the full Bahamian experience yeah. right up through your adolescence, and then you leave. Whereas Aiton grew and matured and got endeared to different spaces. Yeah, so I think Buddy got a degree, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, so in school, in school for the yeah. full time. So in that process, like Aiden went to Arizona for what six months. He didn't. I, I, he yeah. probably didn't have to speak to anybody. <laughs> yeah, other than coaches. Yeah, he didn't. And gals. See, yeah, he didn't interact with anybody. He didn't have to speak with anybody. So he carries himself in the manner of a superstar because he's been a superstar since he was fourteen. Which, like I said, it isn't bad. Yeah, it's just it's just different. It's the reality but, of what the situation is. It's different, and people can't relate to it. Very few people can relate. It is impossible for the common person. Like, me and you cannot relate to what it's like being a child star. Because really, that's what a lot of these hoopers are that's nowadays. That's what DeAndre Ayton was. He was a child star. Buddy Heel had to grow into an adult and become an adult in ways that we had to become adults too. Like, we had to go to college and get to meet people and kind of kind of build ourselves up. Like, not saying Aiden didn't build himself. 
But he had to build himself into a person first, and then he had to become a basketball player. Which, it amazes me that people like LeBron, who a lot like Aiton, well, he was a prototype of Aiton. Everybody knew who he was when he was 14, and everybody knew what he was going to be. And he had to, and he became as much as a well-rounded person as you could be. That th- listen, the amazing thing I'll always say that about the LeBrons and about Kobe's and and KG, even though you know, well, Kobe more than the rest went through some things in their personal life. But the fact that LeBron has gone through this entire thing pretty much unscathed to this yeah. point, the fact that people like KG, who also was a child star in his own regard, and he was one of the first ones, but went through this entire thing completely unscathed, that is amazing and maybe more amazing than what they did on the court. Yeah, and Kobe, I think, had to do it in reverse because he yeah. was a child star, and then as he got older, he had to develop a personality. And, um... I think I remember it was uh, Bomani talking about it with Vincent Goodwill on the podcast when Kobe died. Mm-hmm. They talked about how opposite Jordan and Kobe were. Yeah. Because Jordan went to college, was in a frat. He had all his guys around him. And as he became more of a superstar, he kind of distanced himself from people. But Kobe grew up isolated, grew up in Europe. Uh, and actually wanted the camaraderie and yeah. wanted. But, but because he was following that path that yeah. Jordan set... The isolation came off as something that was necessary for that success. Yeah, I, I think they didn't haze him. Like they wouldn't let him haze him when he joined the Lakers. Like he, and he had to he had to build that around himself as he got older, which is it's kind of amazing in itself. Yeah, but and, um, yeah, and Buddy Heal is more like those guys, and DeAndre Eaton is more of like a LeBron guy. Like he grew up kind of isolated, probably more isolated than LeBron because LeBron went to that high school. And he was adopted by those coaches. I think Aiton was more like a mercenary kind of deal. Yeah, because you see even the bond that LeBron has now with his friends from high school. He still hangs out with those guys. Yeah, it's not the same thing because DeAndre went to like two different high schools. And he was... He, what he was teammates with Marvin Bagley for like a couple months before he left. So, But it's not really that same kind of connection. But back to... The, we're we're going to talk about Aiton and his season as well. But the first half for Buddy... I'm happy that the first half ended with that three-point contest win because, like he said, he grew up as a shooter. Anybody that knew him knew that that was on his bucket list. That was one of the things he said. But it's been a tumultuous season personally for him and for the Kings. So it began with the contract negotiation that was huge for us. I feel like all behemoths thought they were in those contract negotiations. Like you said, Buddy is very candid. He's someone that speaks straight from the heart. So after those games, when those reporters ask those loaded questions and they put the mic in his face, they know exactly what they're getting because he's like the typical behemoth in that regard. He says exactly what he feels. And so a lot of people were down on him, I think, when he made those comments about Sacramento is not attracting any free agents, so they should pay the good players that are there. I was completely with him on that. I mean, no, he was 100% correct, and everybody knows that, but very few people would actually say that. Yeah. yeah. Like, you have to have some kind of sense of self to say that, and that's the kind of sense of self you have when you develop as an adult. Yeah, he's bet on himself. I don't think people realize he's bet on himself at every aspect of his life when we talked about coming out of school early and all that remember we we were mad because he he went back to this day i still, still don't think he should have gone back he went, like, what are you doing to this to this day deontay Wilder. but 
so the season starts. De'Aaron Fox is hurt. Marvin Bagley is hurt, of course. So Buddy is pretty much playing by himself, having to be the shot creator. And naturally, when you take somebody from a specialized skill and you put more of an emphasis on their game, their numbers are going to take a dip because they're forced to do things that they're normally not accustomed to doing. So Buddy's shooting percentages fell field goal percentage three-point percentage all of that stuff fell and he was kind of taking the brunt of a lot of the problems that were in Sacramento which I feel was absolutely unfair because the core pieces that they built around were not there in the lineup with him and I think De'Aaron Fox going down really hurt him because absolutely his career took off when they inserted him in the starting lineup next to De'Aaron Fox and De'Aaron Fox was able to get him the ball in spots to succeed and now he has to get those shots himself without a lightning fast point guard who could deliver pinpoint passes to you. Yeah. So it, it was. It was. I don't want to say it's over from the beginning, but that really set him back. I think it was over from the beginning because this was the fastest team in the league last year, due in part to the way Buddy and De'Aaron Fox ran that fast break, and their pace slowed considerably once Luke Walton came over and implemented his regime. So Dave Yeager had him playing one way. Luke Walton has him doing something completely different. And his numbers fell eventually, but he got benched. The only leading scorer in the NBA to now come off the bench. The thing is, his counting numbers were there. Yeah. His, um, his percentages fell because, like I said, he didn't have the point guard breaking down defenses, getting him open shots. But the counting numbers were there indicating that he was get he was getting the shots for himself. And he averages, what, one more assist a game? Yeah, but even even he was admitting that, you know... Obviously, I have to do a lot more. I got to get the ball on the wing and I got to go create my own shot rather than, hey, we're racing the court. I'm going I'm, I'm going to catch this on the wing and pull up for this three or this play is designed for me to be open in the corner. That's a completely different game. And I don't know if you remember watching Clay have to carry an offense when Steph was hurt. It's not the same thing. No, Clay, his numbers dip when he has to actually yeah, it's go not, get shots. It's not the same thing. And I, I do wonder if... um. If that came down from up top, because I think uh, I think Vladi Divac and those guys have a lot invested in uh, in Bogdanovich. It was interesting to see that he did not get moved at the deadline, because I thought they put him in the starting lineup to perhaps show his value, and I thought that's what that move was going to be, because I do not think they're going to pay him in the off season. I don't think they can, and why would you? Because you just paid Buddy. You just locked up Buddy. Harrison Barnes, and you know you have to pay Fox and Bagley. I mean, you don't really have to pay Bagley because shit. <laughs> I don't understand Har- giving all the money to Harrison Barnes. And this, you know what? I want I want to put a pin in that when we get to the awards. But I'll just say I think the King season was doomed from the beginning. But back to back to Buddy going on the bench and the bench Yama movement, right? So I feel like when Buddy was bench, we all took that personally. I know I did. No, I did too. No, I was. Uh, you must have read my tweets. I, I think. I think basically, Bahamans we issue. Who's our leader? Uh, who's the leader of the Bahamans? I don't. I, is it Minnis? I don't know. No, like Technically the real leader, is. not the political leader. Like, the, is is it Buddy? I don't know. I think it is Buddy. Somebody issued a fatwa against the Sacramento Kings. Yes. Like, this is holy war. Like he. Wait, is it Rodney Munker? It is Rodney Munker. Rodney Monka, basically, he might as well issue a fatwa against the Kings because this, um, we all took it personally. Yeah, like, we was like, fuck y'all, though. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting, too, online seeing Kings Kings fans beef with with uh, Bahamans in general. Like, it's hilarious because, you know, like, the black athlete takes money. 
which and they're selfish, which is ridiculous because he took below market value. If you look at his numbers and McCollum's numbers, I will I will never get that sentiment. But that 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 particular group that has that sentiment, there's nothing we could say to them. Oh, but Bahamians were saying things to them. I mean, there's nothing we can say to rationally get them to understand why we think the way we think. We know what those people are like, and those people are going to be those people. Yeah, but basically, you have a, a country of people uh, at war with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, and since and Buddy was playing like he took that personally too, because since he went to the bench, his play improved dramatically he had the the post kobe 42 point game where he went off and had that historic comeback in minnesota he had the game against san antonio where he made nine of ten threes which is a ridiculous thing when you think about it and coming off the bench i think the last 10 or 11 games he's been averaging close to 23 points and shooting like i think it's somewhere in the mid or high 40s from beyond the arc something like 47 percent, i think or maybe even closer to 50 so He's playing like he has something to prove. As if the contract itself wasn't something to prove. Well, now it's bench him off. And it's ridiculous, too, because now Vladi or Luke or whoever authorized that can look back and say, see? And now he comes to All-Star Weekend and wins the three-point contest, basically saying, I'm the best shooter in the league. So now what you going to do? Keep him on the bench because you're the Kings and you don't know what you're doing. Fucking hate Kings. Okay, we got to transition to Aiden. Okay. Here's the thing about DeAndre Ayton's season, right? We know what happened with the 25-game suspension for diuretics. So right away, you had Phoenix Suns fans who expected more in this second year. Everybody obviously takes a gut punch because you have Kelly Oubre whose game went to another level. Devin Booker is going to do what he's doing. And you bring in Ricky Rubio, you expect a leap from DeAndre Ayton in his second year. So, you know, you, you want to see strides that your organization's going in the right way. Especially given that they probably have the worst ownership in the league. Maybe well, maybe next to the Kings, I don't know. But we in a pretty bad spot as Bahamian basketball fans. It's close. The Kings do tries. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the Knicks. The Knicks, have, extra, the yeah. Knicks have the worst. The Suns are up there too, though. Oh, no, like, Sauver is horrible. The Suns are up there too. But I think the first three are the Knicks and then it's the Suns and then we move on. Yeah. But so so that happens and then Aiton comes back and there's obviously an adjustment period. But if you follow the numbers and you see what he's doing this season, he gets it. And it sucks the fact that Luka Doncic came out in the same draft as him. So you're always going to be judged based off what Luka's doing. And Luka's doing some transcendent top five player in the league shit. Luka's doing some historic shit. So that makes it worse. But... And you got Trey Young. But here's the thing, though. Most pundits thought that you should take Aiton over Luka. Most pundits thought that Aiton should be the guy. And I don't even think there's been the, the big backlash for that. The bigger backlash has been the Kings taking Bagley over Luka. Now, that's the pick that's been, that's been fucked up. Because when you think about it, you would have had Fox, Luka, and Buddy. Yeah, oh, my God. I mean, but I think... There was, uh, you. It's hard to fault people for not taking Luca because I don't think we've seen a, a player just come out of Europe. I don't care if he was the the the, the MVP of the Euro League. Like I, I watched those games and I I didn't come away from that thinking like, oh, he's gonna kill NBA players. Because I mean, we see we saw Ricky Rubio do this. Ricky Rubio led the led the ACB in assists when he was like fourteen, and 
they kind of reminded me of each other. They were kind of big, not really super athletic, but really knew how to play. So I think he, he was so skilled, but he his athletic his athleticism, I think, left a lot to be desired. So there are a lot of questions in how good he was going to be in the NBA. Now, he is transcendent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you you can predict that. You, I mean, Dallas did. Huh? Dallas did. Well, Dallas saw it. I mean, we know what they were doing. <laughs> but... Know. Okay, but here's the thing, right? 18 points, 12 rebounds a game for Aiton so far in 25 games because coming back from the suspension, he had a stretch where he was putting up like basically 25 and 12 every night. Had his first 2020 game. He's putting up the same numbers as Sabonis, who got his first all-star berth this season. And everyone's talking about the great transcendent season that Sabonis is having. But Aiton's putting up those exact same numbers when a lot of nice Aiton's third in terms of um, the hierarchy of scoring. Because I think Kelly Oubre surpassed him in that in terms of getting your shots up. And he may be the least heralded number one pick that's actually good that I've ever seen. Because nobody talks about how good he's playing this year. Absolutely nobody. And I don't get it. It's because they're not winning. Shit. Is that it? It has to be it, right? I mean, he's a big too. I think because like, look at Trey Young. Like Trey Young, you know what it is. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you're gonna get to this, but it is the way how the game is being played. But go Trae, ahead on that. Yeah, Trey Young. I mean, his team is butt. Trey Young is a great player. He puts up great numbers. His team is probably worse than the Suns. But Trey Young has a very aesthetically pleasing game every night. We got Trey Young nutmegging somebody, yeah, or crossing somebody to the floor, or hitting a ridiculous three. Aiden's game he is not that. He play, he's a very effective inside player. That doesn't make highlight reels. And you play in mountain time. So we're not watching you. It's not flashy. No. It's not flashy. Kids could go out on the park and do the... It's, it's the Steph Curry-LeBron thing. Like, you can... Although Steph Curry is a 6'3 person, he's not the size of the average person. But kids watch that and they think, I can do these Steph Curry things because he's a quote-unquote little guy. They think the same thing with Trey Young. You can't... Even imagine that you can do the things that a seven-footer does. And Aiton's game, it, like you said, is not one of those highlight-type games. But it's goddamn effective. And I think he's on a trajectory to be a perennial all-star. But it's just being widely ignored for the most part. He has to get off that team. The thing is, I like him with Devin Booker and Kelly Oubre, though. I like him, too. Like they were- I want somebody else to own the Suns, is what I want. I thought Ricky Rubio was the right point guard for, for a system like this. I want somebody else to own the Suns. I want the Suns to go in a different direction. And I want, like, going back to the conversation we were having w- with Buddy and Aiton, right? I want him to be endeared to the Bahamian public. I want more people to be, we are proud of this. This is a product of us. But they're just... So- <sighs> and I can't even say the disconnect is just with Bahamians. Because like, like you just mentioned... The entire NBA is ignoring this thing. So what is it? It's the Suns. And I, I, I do think Aiton should resonate more. I don't think he gets enough props. I don't know if if it's because because he didn't finish school here. I don't know if he's just not. People don't see him as Bahamian enough, whatever that means. Like, 
I don't know. Maybe like we talked about earlier, people can't relate to being a child star. Like that, it was like when you tweeted when people say, "What did you say?" People say you don't look or sound. Oh, you don't sound like that. I said, "What the fuck? You want me to do bark and pot cake?" Like, I'm like, like, maybe that's the kind of thing he has to do. Has to do. I, I don't know what it is, but I am interested in the second half to see where his game continues to progress. And I want to see both of them. I hope someday to watch them in the playoffs. Cause going back to the buddy thing for a minute, imagine if he got to do these things on the East coast or in the playoffs when everybody's watching on national TV. Yeah. They, they both play for teams that don't have national TV. Games. And there's no reason that they would not resonate nationally. So it's never going to happen unless they play one of the LA teams or the bucks or something like that. Or, or against Zion. Cause the Pelicans are on TV every damn day. But that's that's the only way it happens. But that's one of that's one of the the things that I look forward to in the second half. This continued growth from Aiton because I want to see him get the accolades and the love that he deserves. But he also has to do more to lean into that. Like you have to be able to sell yourself properly. You have to be able to brand yourself properly. A part of that is not getting suspended for twenty five games. I think the suspension really set him back. It really did. Like, it really did so much, and that's what I want him to overcome. I mean, and he, remember when he got in the league, he talked about how um, he signed with Puma because he felt like Rihanna signed with Puma. Some DeAndre Ayton talky talk <laughs> thing. He was like, De- uh, Rihanna signed with Puma, also, and he felt like. He's also really bad at that, I think by That's the his way. problem. I think he tries to be too polished. I feel like he should hire us to be his PR people because I don't know who does PR for him. I don't know who his advisors are, but uh, DeAndre, you should haul at us. Like, no, for real. No, 10 we, YS could get you popping. Like, we literally, like, that's our jobs. Like, we, we could, like. We would do a much better job than whoever you have. I promise you. No, on everything. Like, we, because they don't even know how to play up the Bahamian thing properly. I don't, like, how, that's the thing about Buddy. Buddy doesn't need to play it. Buddy is that. Yeah, shit. But, I mean, Aiden, if you need help, you need to haul at us. All right. Mike Bloomberg, too. Haul at us. <laughs> You want to get to these mid-season awards? I forgot all of them, so you're going to have to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. I'll, I'll run Let's just do it. Let's yeah, do I'll it. run for it. Oh, before we get to that, All-Star Game. We didn't talk All-Star Game. The new format, it has to be mentioned. That was incredible. That was great. I, I think for years, people needed to find a way to make the All-Star Game matter. And what matters more than... When you take money out of the equation, what matters more to NBA players and entire hip-hop culture, by the way, is respect and they found a way to make respect currency in the all-star game and it worked uh, they did a great job and i think having them pick each other up the ante yeah because it's just like you at the park like i mean you're a extraterrestrial millionaire but it's a park for extraterrestrial millionaires yeah, that's but, what it was but yeah but you still you still get picked last like you still yeah Giannis needs some help by the way with this drafting Giannis is basically the king's did he just draft all the Africans? I don't I don't know what he did. I think he drafted all the Africans. LeBron got the biggest one, Embiid. Yeah, and then Giannis got everybody else. He got Siakam and all those guys. Like he Nick Nurse, by the way, going throwback and putting on two of his guys in crunch time. I get Siakam being on the floor, but what the hell was Kyle Lowry doing out there? Like, I don't know. When you look at the 10 players on the court, right? Like, think about it like this. Team LeBron had guys like Ben Simmons and Luka on the bench. 
who could very well have been useful to Team Giannis in crunch time. That's like a Larry Brown Pistons era move. Doing yeah, that. like except those guys won him the game. I remember he put like Ben Wallace. Tayshawn Prince, all those dudes on. Team Giannis had Kemba and Kyle Lowry in the backcourt in crunch time. And I'm thinking, what? Okay. I know we talk about this all the time, right? But if you saw a Kyle Lowry, like, highlight reel, not even game tape, like a highlight reel, would you guess that he was an all-star? <laughs> I would guess that he's a very valuable contributor to a good deal. I mean, like, not even, like, in the NBA. I mean, just, like, in a in a gym, I guess. Forget being an all-star. Kyle Lowry is, like, what, a nine-time all-star, maybe? Yeah. He's been to the all-star game a shitload of times. He's and- a Hall of Famer. You think he's a Hall of Famer? You know what? Maybe. Would you guess watching his highlight reel against a varsity team that he was a Hall of Famer? <sighs> Not from seeing the end of that All Star game. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, Go. let's get let's get to the mid season awards. All right, so I want to start with the Trump administration award for getting something completely right, and it went the exact way you thought it would. Now I'm gonna go first. And mine is the decline in the Sacramento Kings. When they signed Dwayne Dedman and Corey Joseph to big contracts, oh, and ha- the aforementioned Harrison Barnes, I thought to myself, this is a recipe for disaster. This is a team that was a couple of games out of the last playoff spot last year. They were trending upward, but you knew the Lakers would be coming. So that's a spot that would be gone there. And then the bottom fell out with horrible roster moves. And I thought to myself, they are not going to keep up what they did last year. And that's why I have them. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I, got another, I got another one for you, if you didn't think of one. What's that? The Nuggets getting in the way of this Lakers-Clippers thing. I thought this would happen because a lot of people do not give the Nuggets credit for being a very good team. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be as good as advertised, won't he? It's funny. It's like you, like, him and Spencer Dinwiddie, like, those are the guys, you know, guys who should have went lottery, got hurt, and then teams passed on them. Like, you you got to snap those guys up when you could. You, you have to. Yeah, because on the off chance that they do end up being healthy, as long – now – Health is a big deal, and it's very easy to say if he stays healthy. But if he does, then that's the third star there that the Nuggets were looking for. Because you've got Jokic, you got Jamal Murray. The only problem with Denver, I see, is they still play... Like, who's their crunch time five? They still play a lot of guys that wouldn't get to play on different teams. Like, Torrey Craig. <laughs> will Barton is maybe a good fourth or fifth guy, but sometimes he's the third guy in the rotation. I don't, I don't really get it, but... I just get the sneaking suspicion that they're going to ruin the Western Conference Finals that everyone wants to see. Because everyone wants to see Clippers, Lakers. Everyone wants to see LeBron, Kawhi, and have that great storyline to wrap up L.A. But I feel like the Nuggets are taking somebody out before we even get to see that. Can the Nuggets possibly knock off? Well, I really think they're going to beat the Clippers. I don't think they're going to beat the I think the, the Clippers are going to blow it. I think they're, they're going to... They... They're going to have everybody thinking that they're going to go to the Western Conference Final and then they're going to Clippers because they're still the Clippers. <laughs> Yo, what if they still Clippers with with this? Like, being the, they, there's no way they can Clippers this. Like, that's not happening, right? The only the only thing that I would think, the only, the only reason why I think that they wouldn't is because they have Kawhi Leonard. 
and that guy won the championship for the Raptors. He changed all of Canada's fortunes by himself. But, I mean... He had help from Drake. Yeah, okay, let's go with that. But they're the Clippers, man. Like, they, they, you can't write them off losing a games. You, you, you can't write them off losing games that they should win. All right, let's move on to the other one. I'm, I'm going to call this one the Minnes Administration Award for getting something completely wrong and something going the exact opposite way you thought it would. My first thought with this, the Bucks being historically good. The Bucks are having... They're not just 46-8. and eight, They're a dominant 46-8. and eight. Like, they have the, the greatest point differential maybe we've ever seen. Their defensive rating is at the top of the league. And I knew that Giannis could get better. I did not see this team getting better after they lost Malcolm Brogdon. And who was the... Miritich was, was big for them in the playoffs. So they lost Malcolm Brogdon and Miritich and replaced them with the other Lopez brother and Wesley Matthews. I didn't think there's any way that could work. Remember when, uh, first of all, Wesley Matthews isn't even that good and it still works. I, like, have you yeah, seen because, him play? Yeah, because <laughs> Dante not... DiVincenzo is getting key minutes and he's been balling. Why he was starting for a second. He was. He why, was. Like, why this... Dante? Why why Dante? <laughs> and Pat Con- Wait, do they Pat play Cunnan? Dante and Pat Connaughton? Yes, they do. They played them together. All right. You see what's going on They've there, They've been right? rad. Oh. I don't know about Pat Connaughton, but I know Dante. He's he's been radicalized. <laughs> yeah. He's been radicalized yeah. in the meat Vi- streets of Delaware. Villanova will do that to you. You you know what Villanova is, right? Yeah, yeah. Villanova will definitely do that to you. It ain't nowhere near Meek Mill hangs out. Yeah, but I've been there. It's uh it's a little it's a little country clubish out there. Yeah, but I mean I feel like you're still close enough. It's it's a little bit out of town, like it ain't it, it ain't Broad Street. Like we don't expect it to be Broad Street, but Still, you radicalize a bit, like you said. Black Dante. So the other one I had was the Raptors losing Kawhi and not really having a drop-off, which I think I had the heat up for this, but I think the Raptors surpassed that because the Raptors being 40 and 15, you lose what who a lot of people think is the best player in the league and somehow 40 and 15? It doesn't even make mathematical sense because you watch them play and there's no guy replacing... Kawhi Leonard, he's not. There's no guy taking that shots and getting those stops. Those dudes just work. Siakam, like we expected, Siakam got the, maxed out with the deal, right? Mm-hmm. We expected Siakam to be better because most improved player, you expect him to make another leap. He's gonna get Kawhi shots. I still don't think we expected him to be this good. They need to piss test him. Like African work ethic, it's something that I think Joel Embiid lost in Kansas. I think I got somebody for this award. Who you got? I definitely got the Heat. Yeah. Well, no, the Heat are, listen, the Heat are a very good contender for this award. No, no. But I had to go with the top two seeds in the East. No, but, I go got ahead. the Heat because, well, they, they extended Waiters a couple years back, right? He was supposed to step up and become that guy. It was supposed to be Whiteside and Waiters' team. They extended, they gave Whiteside a hellacious deal. Jesus Christ. He was supposed to be an all-star. Those guys don't pan out at all. Like, they, they, I don't know who Pat Riley had to kidnap to trade Whiteside, but they don't pan out at all. And then Waiters eats an edible and then goes on a flight and loses his damn mind. And Where the hell is he now? He, he was bouncing around at the trade deadline. I'm not sure where he is. He's just talking up. about Broad Street. That's probably where he is now. Because I know he got bought out or he, he got, got cut from somebody. Yeah. So none of those guys pan out. So what do they do? They draft Tyler Hero, which was a great pick. 
It was the reckoning for them missing on Devin Booker because they should have taken they Devin sh- Booker that year and they tr- got Justice Winslow. Yeah. So they, and then they get Bam out of bio who nobody – I didn't see this coming. I, thought I he, did. I thought he'd be like a high-level role man like Dwight Howard II. This dude is like Draymond Green. He's the point guard. I called it. I called it. So I remember draft night when uh, the Heat took Bam, and I had to go around assuring all my Heat fans because, of course, any Kentucky player gets drafted and people ask me about it. And I said, listen, Bam Adebayo is not the stereotypical big. Yes, he can do the he can be a screen and screen and roll uh, dunker kind of guy. But that's don't limit him to that. That's not all he is. And I would always say what Cal did defensively was he would put Bam at the top of the key on the other oh, team's no. best perimeter player. And Bam would be locking down wings. That's crazy. And Cal only did that to show NBA scouts that this is what this guy can do. Well, the dude won the skills contest. Yeah. So it's like, like, what the fuck? Like, that's what he is. And, I, and, and like... Man. I hate being body language guy, but I remember when we when we lost in the final four and him and De'Aaron Fox were inconsolable in the locker room. Like there's a famous video that went viral of them too. Like they just couldn't even talk. They were just losing their minds, crying, and that's when I thought I like that guy. No, I, I like Yeah, that I was guy. I was like, yo, Bam got it. Bam has got it. I read an article about when he showed up to his pre draft workout and he proceeded to act like a complete psychopath. Yeah. Because they dared him to stay in front of these wings, and he's like, "Do you, did y'all not do y'all homework he, on me? Do he y'all just, not know that I can do this?" He just went on like a villainous rant, and Pat Riley was like stroking his beard, like, "Hmm, yeah, like I think I think we got one." Yeah, like this is our guy. And then on top of Bam, who was like a great pick, and Tyler Hero who was a great pick, these dudes come back with undrafted rookies. And they're starting. Like, if you start undrafted rookies, what are you, like a lottery? Like, things aren't going to pan out well. These guys are starting. Duncan Robinson is the best three-point shooter in the NBA. Kendrick Nunn is balling. And there are what? There were two Sydney's? Three. There are, that, that's why I put Toronto there, because Toronto surpassed them. Because Jimmy Butler is starting to get a little banged up. The Jimmy Butler thing actually worked perfectly. You know why? I've been talking about this with the guys away. Coaches, because culture fit. Yeah. Although... Do we have to be wary of the Jimmy Butler thing and then see how it plays out, though? Because, I mean, I'm at some point, if it if it doesn't work at every stop that you go on, we got to start looking at you. So if it doesn't work with the Heat, and given how important and impactful Heat culture is, and if there's a chemistry issue here with Jimmy, then obviously I think we got to start looking at him like you might but, be the problem. I don't know if you read Lebatard and them talk, but Jimmy has those kids brainwashed. Like, Tyler, yeah. they buy into that psycho-competitive stuff. And it's amazing to see. Just, I've never seen a team start two undrafted rookies and with a third-year, second-year center yeah. running the point. Like and, and it works. It's amazing. It works. They don't need a traditional point guard. That's why they can uh, play Kendrick Nunn in that spot, and Goran Dragic can go to the bench. Let's go to the Employee of the Month award for the player or coach most likely to sabotage their boss and get them fired. And you had a great one for this. Oh, yeah, I had Jason Kidd. You know what? You may have been able to say that earlier on, but now there's no possible way Jason Kidd's getting that job. The thing is, right, when they, I mean, I just figured he's Jason Kidd. But I think what people don't know about uh, Vogel, that dude could coach. Yeah. We forget in Indiana, he he was at LeBron's necks. That's like, another Kentucky product. 
That dude, like, and I think, I mean, I know a lot of Lakers fans are like, oh, who the hell is this guy? That dude could coach. Like, I, I didn't, I thought that was a great hire. Like, he was, he's a good coach, and he's not going to get in the way. He's not trying to get the spotlight, and he knows what he's doing. Because Laker fans want flash, and they want the big names, and they want the bright lights, but that's not always what it is. Um, Look at the job that Nick Nurse is doing in Toronto. You don't have to be the big name to be a great coach. Yeah. But, yeah, that is a good one. And you also had honorable mention Mike D'Antoni. Well, I mean, his boss just tried his best to get himself fired. He really did. Like, he. It's amazing that that went away, right? Coronavirus. I think they. Oh yeah, all trying to shut down. But I think. I think they need the. I think the block was a little hot. Like you don't want to fire him and make it seem like you did it because China told you to do it. Yeah. I think they. Wanna, That's all it was. Yeah, because I. I think uh, Fertitta already wanted to fire him just because he didn't like him. And then Daryl Morey just decides, you know what? Fuck it, I'm just not going to play with any center. <laughs> so I'm going to go with P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, James Harden, E.G., and Russell Westbrook. That's it. My center's going to be 6'6". Was that him or was it D'Antoni? Good question. I don't know. I don't think D'Antoni cares. I'm thinking it's Daryl Morey. I think that was a Morey decision. Daryl Morey's like, he knows he's playing with house money. I think his contract is up. Yeah. Will we ever hear from him again? Like, yeah. after this? Yeah, I think so. Because there's always going to be somebody that thinks... He's the smartest guy in the room. And actually, he's a, he is the smartest guy in the room a lot of times. But then those guys also tend to outthink themselves. See, the thing is with Daryl Morey, Bomani Jones talks about this all the time. And I, I get this too from coaching because I'm, I'm very into analytics and where we take our shots from or what shots we need to take and where. But at the end of the day, it's a human game. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to like relate to humans on some level if you want to work in these businesses and Daryl Morey is not here for the humans. Not here for the humans. He's here to go to his nerd conferences and learn more about numbers. And numbers and crunching. And those are important. I don't think... I'm not one of these guys who are like, oh, they... They're oh, yeah. Work. It's just the best case scenarios when you blend both. They, uh, and Daryl Morey's not here for the humans. So, if... When he's done here and he goes somewhere else and it doesn't work out, I don't expect to hear from him again. Let's go to the paid and full, full award for the worst NBA contract extension. We got. I'm very upset at your your choice for this. John? You went you went with John Wall. I mean, he tore his Achilles. How dare you? You cannot help an injury, but you can help giving someone a contract. Yeah, extension like that was. I mean, I'm I'm glad the guy got paid. You know what I mean? Like, why isn't Bismarck Biombo worse than him? Bismarck Biombo played three average playoff games and somehow decided someone decided that he should get all the money. Who's his agent? I don't know, but I have no idea why. And even at the peak of the Bismarck Biombo hype, I thought, you people are crazy. This person's not a very good NBA player. He was rebounding like a motherfucker, though. Eh, he's all right. He's no Bam out of bio. No. The Sheed, the player that will lead the NBA in techs. All right. Russell Westbrook's a good one. Uh, it's not going to be Draymond, though. Draymond's not going to be on there because Draymond is quietly turning into one of those I'll tell you what, this guy is a pro kind of guys. <laughs> like, he somehow flipped the script and went from becoming a villain to being this leader that's the caretaker of this young, rascally bunch of underachievers. I like those dudes. This is random, but I like those dudes. Not on their own, they're not a good team, but you put them up next to Steph Curry, who... Who knows how he'll look when he comes back? And Clay Thompson. And who knows how he'll look when he comes back? What I really... Listen. But I, I like those guys. I, I am going to love this next Warriors season because Andrew Wiggins is going to get to play with, with those guys. I don't like Andrew Wiggins, though. That but, dude sucks. Yeah, but 
we haven't seen him in this environment, though. And then I also want them to come out of this draft with James Wiseman. So they will actually be playing with a traditional big with those guys. I think they shipped off Billy Cauley-Stein because they're riding a dime for that James Wiseman pick. Yeah, I'm, I so. I'm here for that. And I, that's all I want to see happen out of this draft. But, um, but what's his name? Dude from Villanova, Pascal? Yeah. That, that, he might take Draymond's job. They're, the one thing that got exposed in the finals was the fact that the Warriors had absolutely no depth. And when their real team comes back, these guys have a season. They have a lot of experience. Under their belt. Also, Steph Curry's brother-in-law. He was like yeah. in the G League last so year. So, D- Damian like- Lee is going to be better. Pascal is going to be better. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be very interested to see what the Warriors do next, next year. Let's move on to this one. That I feel like this was your favorite on this This is my list. favorite one, yes. The Lou Williams Award for the player most likely to be in a public polyamorous relationship. Uh, and my winner is, this is a tie. I got Trey Young, who's in Atlanta, being Trey Young. And Tyler Hero, who, I mean... <laughs> I mean, come on. That dude is in Miami, and he's a drip god. Give me your takes. Why is it going to be Trey Young and Tyler Hero? Also interesting that you went with with two young players. Because, first of all, Trey Young Young is from Oklahoma, right? Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. Tyler Hero is from some ultra-white suburb of Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. So Trey Young is in Atlanta. Yeah. Doing Atlanta things. He's a millionaire in I, Atlanta. Not just a millionaire, but a basketball millionaire, which in the blackest of hip-hop cities makes you the coolest among the celebrities. Yeah, I think there's a reason why they traded um, Luka. Luka Dante Luka wasn't going to be the right fit. I think no matter how good Luka was... I think Luka's the right type of white boy for that, though, because not American white boy... But Euro white boy who endears himself to hip hop culture, I think it would have worked. No, I think Trey Young is the perfect man for that place and time. Ice ice Trey. And then Tyler Hero. Like, is there anybody who loves being in Miami more than Tyler Hero? Absolutely nobody. Nobody. This is it. This is the perfect thing for. Because the the crazy shit is, and because I saw a lot of his recruitment leading up to when he chose Kentucky. Tyler Hero was this guy in Milwaukee. He was radicalized. But now, and then he went to Kentucky where he's surrounded by a certain type, and now he's in Miami. And you saw from his draft night suit all the Miami. I remember that being John and Kyrie's biggest takeaway. This guy is perfect for Miami. Look what he has on. He had his, uh, he had a Scott Storch circa 2003 grip yes. on. Like, he, yes. was, he was in his bag. And um, I got honorable mention, Pascal Siakam. See, I, I see what you're doing there. I feel like this is an African thing. No, it's a Toronto thing. I ended up... It's in- a combination of both, though. Because I- if you know anything about African guys in Toronto, let me tell you something. Afro beats is like kitty litter. But anyway. I ended up in Toronto last summer by accident. I was flying back from Amsterdam, missed a connecting flight. I had to go to Toronto to come home. So, so Carr and I decided to go downtown Toronto in the summer on a Sunday to get something to eat or whatever. Nobody loves being there more than niggas in Toronto. Like, nobody's more happy with their lives than niggas in Toronto. Cosign. I promise you. No, that like, is absolutely they true. are so... It, it's almost like... They're like a, like a less, like, aggressive version of New Yorkers. How much they're into it. Yeah. Like, they're like... With, with bicycles and smiles. Yeah, like, they're like festive New Yorkers. Like if you d- replace that aggression with Caribbean festiveness and yeah. African festiveness, they really love being in Toronto. 
All right? So take one of those guys. Make him a millionaire who just got a, a huge contract. Make him a fucking folk hero in the city who's probably just as relevant to their culture as Vince Carter was to everybody there. Or he will be in the next couple of years. That dude is the king of Toronto. Him and Serge. Kings of Toronto. Look how happy Serge is. My God. All right. Let's go to the Kawhi Leonard Award for the player that will hold their team hostage in free agency this summer for the second year in a row. Anthony Davis. I don't know now. I, 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 no, oh, I don't know because he's been mum about it. He hasn't really talked about it. I think that, yeah, no, I, think, I think he's still there. All right. Let's go Brian Scalabrini Award. The guy who looks like he absolutely doesn't belong in the NBA, but does. I got Kyle Anderson just because I was shocked to find out that he was still in the NBA. I didn't like why. Why is he there? Yeah, I honestly like when you look up and you see Memphis doing really well. It's shocking that Kyle Anderson is a part of that and not like the 16th guy on the bench. Gerald Wallace Award for the perimeter player with the worst perimeter game. Derek Jones Jr. Your slam, your controversial slam dunk champion. If that dude was, uh, if he was six ten, he'd make more sense. The crazy thing about it is, I remember listening to the Levitard show, and Chris Cody absolutely thought that he was six ten. Like he absolutely compared his game to DeAndre Jordan, and Mike Ryan's like, he's a six wing. Five. What are you talking like about? Five. How is he DeAndre Jordan? But anyway, that proves your point. Yes. The Clyde Drexler Award for the player who looks the most like a sitcom dad. I love this award, and I love these nominees. <laughs> Number, I don't know who to choose. Javon Carter of the Yo, Phoenix Suns. I remember when he got drafted, and I was like, no fucking way this dude is in college. I thought that about him watching West Virginia. Did he go to war? Like, did he go to war until then came back when he was 28 or something? Like, why the fuck does he look like that? He's constantly going to war with his headline. Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. <laughs> Joe Ingles. <laughs> you know what's worse? When you see Joe Ingles getting buckets. Dog, and he is hooping niggas up. I, like, he is nice. And third on the list... Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes look a, looks like a specific kind of dad. The ones whose shirts are always hard tucked. And he has the outdated, like, phone case on, on the belt buckle. You know what I mean? Like, that Bahamian dad that comes to pick up his kid. He wears, school. like, new balances, but not, like, the cool new balances. No. Like, the, like the ones my dad loves. My dad's 76, and he loves new balances. He or, those. or the Nike Monarchs that all of those types were burning <laughs> When when uh, Nike came out and endorsed Kaepernick, Yo, he absolutely you, wears those. Did you see that he refused to cut his hair until the Kings get a? He's winning going record? to look like a fucking caveman because <laughs> there's no way that the Kings are going to be 500. What an, uh, I don't know if Harrison Barnes is married or what his romantic situation is like, but I feel sorry for whoever that person is because he's going to look like that for the duration of this season. It's That's white, a thing. White girls, definitely white girls. Yeah, thank you. The Lizzo Award for Irrational Confidence. That's actually pretty rational when you look at the numbers they're putting up. I got to go with uh, the two heralded and hyped and talked about rookies that are actually doing their thing. I got to go with Ja and Zion. Like, Ja, right? That dude is ridiculous. Yeah. But he's ridiculous in, like, precedented ways. Like, you look at him, you see Westbrook. You see, like, Steve Francis. Zion coming into the league... I didn't know what the fuck I was looking at. Yeah, like, and granted, granted, it's been a much smaller sample size for Zion. Zion's been, what, like, what, 10, 11 games? But, but Jesus Christ. Coming, yeah, coming in, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't sure how he would fit, and I didn't know what I was looking at. And then you watch him play, and he's better than everybody, except, like, Giannis and, like, LeBron. 
And I still don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. I, I was about to say, I watch it, and I legitimately don't understand it. Like, I don't understand the physics of him being able to jump twice when someone else can only jump once. Watching him dunk makes my knees hurt. I don't, and that's the only scary part about it, because he moves with so much force and so much torque, and you can see that he's carrying so much weight, and he's not going to be able to put that weight off during the season, because he's just got to be playing, and but... Yeah, barring any unforeseen injuries or anything like that, I don't even understand what Zion's ceiling is. Like, I don't know how good he can be. But I remember, and I got into an argument about this last year when I said, what if he's like Draymond Green that can actually score? And people thought that was like a ridiculous comparison, but Draymond Green that could score is pretty much LeBron. Like, let's say you can average 26, 8, and 8. That's LeBron. Well, I mean... Well, I know what you mean, but I think um, he's like Draymond and not like LeBron in that Draymond isn't a guy who could get his own shot. Like Zion, he takes a hard dribble to the rim, but LeBron is more of a shot creator. But yeah, yeah, I figured I looked at him and I thought more athletic Draymond Green when he was in college defending on the perimeter. I didn't see him coming out of the box and being able to score and put up 30 like this. He didn't even try to get shots for him. He just gets 30 like it's fucking ridiculous. All right, you had two looks like games on here. You can run with those. Uh, Jared Allen looks like he's going to fight the jive turkey who killed his kung fu master. That's great. And immediately when the NBA said they were putting an end to the karate style headbands, oh, come on! I my heart ached for Jared Allen because I thought that Afro is not going to work with anything else. I think that's the end of Jared Allen, actually. Yeah, that and also why the hell did they sign DeAndre Jordan just to take minutes from him? I don't know. And uh, this is kind of lame, but I don't know. Grant Williams sounds like the name of a silver screen star from the 50s. It's amazing that you put that there because I actually always thought that. And not just that the name sounds like it, but he does look like it. Like if he was a replacement on The Temptations, he looks like one of those guys. I was going to say he looks like uh, like he's in... Uh, in um. Any one of those doo-wop groups, he fit right in. Yeah, and uh, what's, uh, in Duke Ellington, he looks like a dude in Duke Ellington's backup band. Like he does. He's one of those guys. <laughs> He's one of those guys. All right, all right. This feels great. This We're is, back. This is fun. I, I'm I'm enjoying this. All right. Listen, I know I say this every time, but I promise you, we have a plan, and we are going to be back. Listen, the second half of the NBA after football season is done is the most important time, and we are going to be back to giving you this every week on demand. Mike Bloomberg, hit us up, man. Like, for real. Like, we, we need this money. Bloomberg 2020. We out. <laughs>